Hey everybody, how are you? Happy New Year. I asked the Saturday night service, so on Thursday, and I, I usually take Mondays off, and I work Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, so I can mostly uh, do nothing on Thursday and Friday but watch football. Uh, does it look like I sat on the couch for two straight days? I don't know. Don't answer that one, honestly. Um, good to have you here. First thing, welcome um, to the Rock Community Church. I love this place. Love you people. Um, if you're new, especially want to welcome you here also. Um, this is the last of our psalms. Psalm 141 is this morning, and we're done. We didn't cover all 150. We nailed out, I don't know, 20-something of them, so we'll try to pepper in the other 130 somewhere throughout my career. But we are done with, the, uh, with psalms today. We're going to start the book of Mark. Um, a couple of reasons. One, my name's Mark. Two, Pastor John, when he started this church 12 years ago, started with the book of John, which I thought was appropriate, right? So I thought it's okay if I do Mark. But the interesting thing is Pastor John was going to do the book of Mark next. So it kind of just all makes sense. So that's that. So next week, and I'm going to do an introduction on the book of Mark. The following weekend, we're going to ordain Doug Atterbury. And I'd asked him about a week and a half ago if he'd be interested on in preaching at his ordination. And he said he would love that. He has family coming in from out of state. So Pastor Doug uh, will be Pastor Doug at that time uh, when we ordain him, but he will be preaching the following weekend. So I'll do an introduction to the book of Mark next weekend, and then the following weekend, Doug Atterbury will be preaching. Make sense? And, uh, oh, and then I talked to PJ this week. I talked to him almost every week, and we're trying to figure out a time for him to come back uh, at least once, maybe twice in the near future, either... April for sure, I think he's going to come try to make it down for April for sure, but maybe as early as February also. So hopefully we'll see him in February and April. So I'm waiting to hear back from him. He's got to get a hold of his son who lives here in Southern California. They're up in the mountains for vacation, so he just needs to get a hold of him to firm all that up, but I'll let you know. So I think I covered everything. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Psalm 141. Who read Psalm 141 this week? Yeah, a lot of people. Good for you. Thank you for doing that. I hope it's been meaningful for you to do that. Um, I'm sure we came up with the same information, but we'll find out once I preach. Psalm 141. Turn to Psalm 141 in your Bibles, and then we're going to let it rip. Psalm 141. O Lord, I call upon you. Hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. May my prayer be counted as incense before you. Evening offering. Did I get lost there? Am I good? Sorry about that. Verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing to practice deeds of wickedness with men who do iniquity, and do not let me eat of their delicacies. Let the righteous smite me in loving kindness and reprove me. It is oil upon the head. Do not let my head refuse it. For still my prayer is against their wicked deeds. Their judges are thrown down by the sides of the rock, and they hear my words, for they are pleasant. As when one plows and breaks open the earth, our bones have been scattered at the mouth of Sheol. Verse 8, for my eyes are towards you, O God, the Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not leave me defenseless. 
Keep me from the, uh, from the jaws of the trap which they have set for me and from the snares of those who do iniquity. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by safely. The outline for Psalm 141 will be on the screen. First four verses, the impact of our Heavenly Father. We're going to break that down. The next three verses, the impact of our friends, our righteous brothers and sisters in Christ, the impact that they should have on our life. And then how that will impact our faith, verses 8, 9, and 10. And it's just a good encouragement for the new year, just like last week's message was a good encouragement for the new year, that if we want to grow in our faith, the impact of our Heavenly Father certainly has to be in our lives, but also the impact of righteous friends should play an important role to impact our faith. The big idea, just kind of taking these words and stretching them a little bit, the impact of a heavenly father and righteous friends leads to a healthy faith. The impact of a heavenly father and righteous friends leads to a healthy faith. I was, you know, in thinking about Pastor John, and I don't know, this is kind of a silly analogy, I suppose, but you know, every baseball player, and Pastor John was a baseball player, every baseball player has stats, you know, and you get their card and their, their stats, and oh, this, you know, this was their best year. I don't know, for me, I want 2016 to be my best year as a Christian, as a man of faith. I want it to be my best year statistically. That's what I intend to do. I intend for this year to be my best year. I'm nervous about that because <laughs> God works in interesting ways, doesn't he? And I hope that's an encouragement for you guys to say, man, is, you know, can this be my best year of faith that I've ever lived before? I hope so. A lady once asked John Wesley, this would have been back in the 1700s, that suppose he were to know that he would die at 12 midnight the next day, how would he spend the rest of his time? I love his reply. It's a reply of faith. He says, Why, madam, just as I intend to spend it now, I would preach this evening and again at 5 tomorrow morning. After that, I would take a ride to Tewksbury, preach in the afternoon. I would meet the societies in the evening. Societies are small groups. Wesley was the founder of Methodism. Um, and his brother Charles Wesley and John Wesley wrote many of the hymns that we know today. He says, I would then go to Reverend Martin's house and spend time with him, right? The righteous believers in our lives. Spend time with him. I would talk and pray with family when I got home, and I'd retire to my room at 10 o'clock. I'd commend myself to my Heavenly Father, lie down to rest, and wake up in glory. What a great quote. What a great quote. A man of faith. He walked with his Lord and he had impact of his father. He walked with his friends and he had the impact of his friends and it completely impacted his faith. Let's pray. Lord, open up your psalm to us. And Lord, open up our hearts and our minds and our souls and our spirits to receive what you have for us this morning. Lord, I pray that this would be our best year ever, walking with you. And we commit that to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Interesting, in, in the, about 300 A.D., so a few years ago, there was a rabbi, and I just think it's clever what he did. Just, you know, it, it, he, he's trying to emphasize faith. His name is Rabbi Simlai, S-I-M-L-A-I. And he says this, I think it's very clever. He said, Moses gave us 248 positive commandments and 365 prohibitions. So 248 do's and 365 don'ts. 
Then he says, David in Psalm 15, you can just write these um, references down if you want. David in Psalm 15, we're not going to go there. He reduced that to 11. This is what the rabbi says. He goes, ah, 11. Isaiah in 33, 14, and 15, he reduced those down to 6. And then Micah 6, verse 8, binds them down into 3. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with our God. And then uh, Habakkuk 2, uh, 2, verse 4, reduces them down to 1. But the righteous will live by his faith. And I just think it's clever. That's just what this rabbi kind of made the gospel about, right? So from 11 to 6 to 3 to 1, that the righteous will live by his faith. Hebrews 11:6 says this. I think it'll be on the screen. We know this verse. Why is faith important? Because without faith, it's impossible to please our Lord. And so how does God want to grow your faith and my faith this new year? Another illustration or a quote on faith. I love this. Faith is not being naive. It's not being gullible. It is not believing in something that you know is not true. That doesn't make sense, right? Neither is faith a substitute for knowledge. Christian faith operates in the realm of meaning, not in the realm of fact. Faith recognizes fact, but it is not out to obtain, contradict, or prove facts. St. Augustine put it best. He said, I believe in order that I may understand. Isn't that great? I believe in order that I may understand. What a great way to summarize faith. Summary of Psalm 141. In this psalm, David requests God's help in maintaining his personal integrity. And he seeks to avoid any traps that evil people would set for him. He does not seem to have a specific situation in mind in the psalm, but he expresses a desire for God to guard him from any impropriety or mishap. The psalmist, David, opens by asking God to hear his calls and regard his personal prayer and worship as being equivalent to sacrifice. He then asks God to guard his behavior and hopes to find people who will rebuke him honestly should he go astray. How many times have we prayed that, Oh dear God, send people to me to rebuke me when I go astray. Interesting. He then prays against the evildoers. He anticipates their downfall and asks that God protect him from their schemes and trapping them in their own tricks instead. There is nothing in the psalm to indicate the time or the circumstances of its composition. That's your summary. So we're going to hit the first four verses. The impact of our Father. The impact of our Heavenly Father. Verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Let's read those again. O Lord, I call upon you. Hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. May my prayer be counted as incense before you. The lifting up of my hands as the evening offering. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice wickedness with men who do iniquity. Do not let me eat of their delicacies. So in this section of looking at the impact of our Heavenly Father, we're going to talk about three things. If you want to write these down, write them down. The three things, we're going to talk about our action. If we want the Father to help us, what action do we have to partake in, right? So our action, our attitude and our advocate, because God is our advocate. Christ is our advocate. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. So we're going to take a look at our action in these first four verses, our attitude, and our advocate. So our action. Again, he says in verse 1, O Lord, I call upon you. 
And then he, at the end of verse 1, he says, When I call to you, may my prayer, may the lifting of my hands. It's prayer. If we want to have the impact of the Father in our lives, we need to pray. I was, trying, I was thinking about, you know, what, what, would I, what, what tools would I take with me in the new year spiritually? And if I had, a, if I had the, you know, uh, uh, time, I would have done, you know, knee pads and a Bible. Right? Knee pads to represent, get on my knees and pray in God's Word. I'm good. I'm going to have my best year ever. I got my knee pads in my Bible. I'm going to have my best year ever in the faith. So we pray. Jack Hayford says this on prayer. I love this. He says, prayer is communication with God. Because God is personal, all of us can offer prayers. Believers recognizing their dependence upon their Creator and Savior cultivate all forms of prayer. Praise, worship, thanksgiving, confession, adoration, holy meditation, which means waiting on God, which is a lost art. It's not, it's not easy for me to meditate, to just wait on the Lord. That's very difficult. I get it. Petition, supplication, and intercession. Prayer involves faith, Jack Hayford says. Prayer involves faith. God speaks to us through the Bible, and we in turn speak to Him in trustful, believing prayer. Assured by Scripture that God is personal, living, active, all-knowing, all-wise, all-powerful. We know that God can hear us and help us. We know that God can hear us and help us. Jesus placed prayer at the heart of Christian living. That's what he did. When the pulse, listen to this, when the pulse is steady and the body is exercised in the practice of prayer... Every other facet of life flows with health as the individual is fed by the Word of God. Isn't that wonderful? It's so encouraging to hear that. so difficult to do, isn't it? Prayer is not easy for me. It is my Achilles heel, if you will. It's just not what comes natural. I love spending time in God's Word, and for whatever reason, just being on my... I do it, don't get me wrong, but it's not easy for me. And I don't imagine it's easy for all of us here. I'm going to read that last thing again. When the pulse is steady and the body exercised in the practice of prayer, every other facet of life flows with health as the individual is fed by the Word of God. A life of prayer is essential to a life of faith. There's no way around it. Ephesians 6.18 says to pray at all times. It just says pray at all times. With all prayer and with all petition, pray at all times. All means all, that's all all means. If we are intent on developing healthy faith, it sure makes sense that we fix our eyes on the expert. Who knows faith more than anybody? Well, Scripture tells us. Hebrews 12.2. Jesus. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. We've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. He knows all about this faith stuff. So that was our action. Our action, that was the first thing in these four verses, our action. The second thing is our attitude. In verse 1, he says it two different ways. Look, he says, O Lord, I call upon you. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Those are two different things. Calling upon you and calling to you mean two different things. I'll break that down in a second. To call upon means to make an appeal or a request. That makes sense. So I call upon the Lord. I make an appeal or I make a request. To call to the Lord means to speak loudly, to utter in a loud voice. Sometimes we say we cry out to God. Right? So those two things mean we make requests and we do it boldly and loudly. Interesting. 
And then he says also in verse 1, hasten to me, give ear to my voice. What does that mean? Hasten means, hey God, hurry up. Imagine, David says to God, hurry up God, be quick. It means to hurry, to rush, to act or move at a high speed. Really? Really? I'm going to give it a try. David did. I'm giving it a try. I'm going to ask God. Let's go. Step it up. Follow me. Give ear means to heed, to pay close attention to, and to respond in conformity. Right? So be quick and then respond as I'm requesting. But here's the best way for us to understand this. If there was something to happen right now, an emergency in this auditorium, right now as we speak, in that moment, it's like calling out 911. It would be like me saying to Pastor Dave, Call 911! I would say it loud, boldly, and I would, la- act, I would hope that he would act in conformity to my request. Don't call 411. Call 911. Does that make sense? That's what's indicated here. There's something going on and we can pray. I can proclaim loudly and boldly and hope that you would respond in conformity. Call 911. And I would expect nothing less. Nor should I, right? I love it. It it can seem like David's being a little bit brash and maybe a little rough around the edges, but why could he pray this boldly? Because whenever David was in trouble, whatever need David had, his first response was to pray, and so he knew how to pray. And we will too, as we continue to mold and shape that aspect of our lives, that we can pray loudly and boldly because we will be people after God's own, own heart. What an encouragement to me. I hope it's an encouragement to you. Psalm 27.1 says this. David says this. The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. Who shall I fear? He's the defense of my life. Who shall I dread? That's why he ran to him. For everything. I love it. He says, count, in verse 2 he says, May my prayer be counted as incense and the lifting of my hands as the evening offering. Each evening around 3 o'clock, the Jewish priest would offer a burnt offering on the brazen altar and also burn incense on the golden altar. And David wanted his prayer to be a sweet aroma to the Lord, which would ascend to the Lord and be pleasing to the Lord. David had the hope, he had the confidence, and the expectation, the hope, the confidence, and the expectation that his prayers were actually pleasing to the Lord. What an encouragement. Perhaps we tend to believe that our requests bother or displease the Lord. I think oftentimes we do. God doesn't want to hear from me. Hey, look, David's no different than you and I. He's a sinner just like you and I. But he walked with the Lord and he knew that his prayers were pleasing. They were like a sweet fragrance and aroma to the Lord. So are our prayers. Please remember that. The third thing, our advocate. In these four verses, the Lord is our advocate. So we pray to God. We pray with a good attitude. And then we recognize that He is our advocate. And an advocate is one that supports us and, 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 and um, promotes the interests of, of another. That's what an advocate does. Verse 3, he says, Okay, Lord, set a guard over my mouth. I need your help. Set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over my lips. Do not incline me to any evil thing. Literally, what he's saying is a person who guards the opening and closing of that door. That's what he says here. 
you know, guard my lips. He's asking, he's not saying, Lord, help me to guard my mouth. He's saying, place a guard. I need an advocate. Sometimes we're, we just can't do certain things alone, so we cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, help me. Help me. Send somebody. And that's what he's saying. Guard, set a guard over my mouth and have that guard keep watch over the door of my lips. We need an advocate. And it's interesting to me that he starts with the mouth. Because in verse 4, he talks about the heart. Why? Look at James 3. Turn to uh, James chapter 3. Many of us know this section of the tongue, how powerful the tongue is. James chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 12. These 12 verses could change our life if we could do what's encouraged here. James 3, it's after Hebrews and before First and Second Peter. James 3, starting in verse 1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that at such, as such we will incur a stricter judgment. Lord, help me. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is perfect able to bridle the whole body as well now if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us we direct their entire body as well the ships though they are great and are driven by strong winds are directed by a very small rudder wherever the pilot so inclines so also the tongue is a small part of the body and yet it boasts of great things See how great a forest is set aflame by such a a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. Oh, It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, this is so sad, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men. Lord, help us. Men who have been made in the likeness of God, from the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, this ought not to be. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. So interesting. What an interesting place for David to start with the mouth. We can control this. We got it down. Proverbs 13.3 says this. There's many Proverbs like this one. I'm just going to give you a couple of them. The one who guards his mouth preserves his life. The one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Proverbs 17, 28. This is is wonderful for me. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. If you want to look brilliant, don't speak. Right? Isn't that kind of crazy? The minute you open your mouth, like all, 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 you know, suspicion just goes right out the window. I didn't think he was wise, and I knew it the minute he started talking. When he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. Interesting. So interesting. 
In verse 4, he says, do not incline my heart to a couple things. One, to any evil thing. It says, going back in Psalm, 9, uh, Psalm 141, do not incline my heart. So it's interesting. He starts with the mouth, with the tongue, with the lips, and then he goes to the heart. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice deeds of wickedness with those who do iniquity, or to eat of their delicacies. The substance, essentially, of David's evening prayer was that the Lord would direct his words and his actions righteously. May we live this new year the same way. Lord, judge and help me, Lord, to, to direct my words and my actions righteously. He wanted God to set a guard at his lips to prevent wrong speech, but he also desired that God would preserve his heart, his willful desires, from wicked attraction or wicked allurements. Job 16.19 says this about our advocate. Even now, behold, my witness is in heaven and my advocate is on high. As we pray and as we pray with good attitude, we can expect the impact of the Father because he's our advocate. And there's some things we just can't do when we need God's help. So, that was the first thing. So now we're on the impact of friends. The impact of friends. So here's what's interesting. You've heard it said about the tongue and, you know, speak less and listen more. Two ears, one mouth, all that stuff, right? So arguably what the psalm is saying is, you know, we've got two ears. Listen to the Lord and listen to righteous people in your lives. And then when you do speak, make sure it's prayer. Just pray. Use, use this to pray. Listen to others, righteous people in our lives. Listen to the Lord and pray. That's, that's what the psalm is saying, right? Use this to pray. Use this to pray. Listen to the Lord. Listen to righteous people. You'll be good. You'll have your best statistical year ever. Impact of friends. Verse 5, 6, and 7. Let the righteous smite me in kindness hmm, and reprove me. It is oil upon the head. Do not let my head refuse it. For still my prayer is against their wicked deeds. Their judges are thrown down by the sides of the rock, and they hear my words, for they are pleasant. As when one plows and breaks open the earth, our bones have been scattered at the mouth of Sheol. I'm pretty much just going to focus on verse 5. There's three things that we're going to take from this as well, right? So three things in this section. The righteous, the refusal, and the reward. The righteous, the refusal, and the reward. That's what we're going to get out of these verses. The righteous, the refusal, and the reward. So it says in verse 5, let the righteous smite me. Let them do that, Lord. Let the righteous smite me. First question, who are the righteous in your life? Who are the righteous in your life that you allow to smite you? We need to have righteous people in our lives that will smite us. We can't let the righteous do anything if they don't exist. They have to exist. They have to have access to our lives. It's one thing to say, I have righteous people in my life. Great. Do you let them smite you? Do they have access to your life? I have men that have access to my life. In verse 5, when he says, let the righteous smite me in kindness and reproof, it literally means to smack somebody upside the head. I'll unpack that in a second. That's what it means, okay? I say in church, we call it a love tap, right? Let's just call it a love tap. You know, Pastor Dave, get, well, I, I get lots of love taps. Not necessarily from Pastor Dave, but um, any other husbands out there get love taps from their wives? I don't want to go there, right? So let's just call it a love tap. We'll talk about that later. That's the righteous. Do we have righteous in our lives that give us love taps? I hope so. The refusal. So where he says, let the righteous smite me, 
Two lines later, he says, do not let, right? Let and do not let. Lord, let the righteous smite me. Do not let me refuse it. Because sometimes we have those people in our lives, we let them knock us upside the head, but then we refuse it. Been on both sides of that equation. We need to let that happen. Often, God sends people to speak to us, and their words clearly hurt us, but thankfully, they don't harm us, right? Words can hurt when we're smited by those who love us, but they do it out of love. King Saul did not listen to rebuke. It didn't go too well for him. It went from bad to worse. As we face the problems and perils of the Christian life, it is important that we listen to wise counsel and obey wise counsel. Sometimes you're really good at listening. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Yes, I'll pray about that. Yeah, I'll pray about it. You could do nothing about it. We're rebellious by nature. I get it. But we need to listen to wise counsel and obey it. David found delight. This is what's interesting. In verse 4, he says, keep me away from the delicacies of sin. And then in verse 5, he basically talks about the delicacies of reproof. Interesting. That's what he's doing. He found delight in being reproved compared to the delight or the delicacies of sin found in verse 4. Proverbs 15, 31 and 32 says this. He whose ear listens to the life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. He who neglects discipline, ouch, despises himself. Do we dislike ourselves that much that we won't listen to reproof? But he who listens to reproof acquires understanding. What a pointed verse. Wow. Proverbs 25, 12. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Mm. So that's the refusal. Don't refuse the righteous that reprove and rebuke us. So what's the reward? That's the third thing. The reward, it says, what's the reward? It is oil upon the head. Right? Let me take reproof. Let me not refuse it because it is oil to my head. That's the reward. Reproof, it's hard to say, reproof and rebuke from a brother or a sister in Christ is like an excellent oil to a wound to soothe it and to close it up. And that wound is sin or something that we've gone astray in. And that oil helps soothe it and close it up and be healed from that. Oil was often used for medicine, both for humans and animals. It was poured on the heads of sheep to kill mites and other parasites and to protect their thinly-haired heads from the hot sun. Applied to the skin, oil had a softening and soothing effect and it could be used for cleansing. And it is often used as an ingredient in soap today. In the ancient, near, uh, ancient Eastern culture, it was a custom to chastise children, servants, and slaves by striking them on the crown of the head. Some would even beat their slaves on the head with their knuckles. It is said, because, right, this, is, this was written in, in ancient Near Eastern culture, right? So this is where David's getting this from. It is said that the ancient Hindus had a figure of speech similar to what we just read. 
in Psalm 141. And this saying was this, Let a holy man smite my head. Why? It is an excellent oil. That was a Hindu saying. That's where David's getting this from. Another one is, My master has been beating my head, but it has been good oil for me. You know, it's like, wow, it's kind of, I don't know, it's different. We don't do that much here. We don't think like that. David says in the Psalms, and it's not on the screen, I'm kind of recapping a couple of verses. He says, it is my sin that has broken my head and broken my bones. The reproof is an excellent oil. The cure, to, to cure the bruises that sin has given me. Listen to this. It shall not break my head, but it may help to break my heart. Mm. Wow. Sometimes we just need our heart to be broken. Our hearts can become, become so callous and so hardened. All right. So that was the, the righteous, the refusal, and the reward. Now the last three verses, 8, 9, and 10. For my eyes are towards you, O God the Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not leave me defenseless. Keep me from the jaws of the trap which they have set and from the snares of those who do iniquity. Let them fall into their own nets while I pass by safely. Three things in this section, right? There's been three things, right? First thing, our eyes are toward the Lord. Our eyes are toward the Lord in these three verses. Our eyes are toward the Lord. Our refuge, this is the second thing, our refuge is in the Lord. So the first one is our eyes are toward the Lord. Our refuge is in the Lord. That's the second one. And the third one is our deliverance is from the Lord. Our eyes are to the Lord. Our refuge is in the Lord. And our deliverance is from the Lord. And what that conjures up for me is that we can live a healthy future, present, past faith life. Right? I can look toward the Lord at all times. Things come up, I just look toward the Lord. And, right? That's, I'm looking, I'm future. I'm always looking toward the Lord. And then when things happen, then I, then I take refuge in the Lord. And then when He delivers me, that's the past. And then I do it all over again. <laughs> right? The impact of our Heavenly Father and the impact of godly friends should have an impact on our faith. Especially in these three verses, especially during difficult times. And that's what David's going through here. He's got people after him trying to set a trap for him. It is usually, perhaps only, during difficult times that our faith is most impacted or tested, right? I don't know why it's that way. It's just that way. My college coach used to say, the true test of a man's character is how he responds when things aren't going well. Anybody can respond like a champion when the circumstances are wonderful. And so what he'd always, he would just repeat that a couple times throughout the year, just to, just to have us check in on our character. How do you respond when the chips are down? And that's usually when we find out the level of our faith and where it might need some tweaking. So the first thing is our eyes are toward the Lord. When difficulty strikes, and I say again, when, when, where do we look? Verse 8 says, My eyes are towards you, O God. My eyes are towards you. When difficulty strikes, when difficulty strikes, where do we fix our eyes? Where do we tend to look? Would it be fair for me to say that when we face challenges in our lives, 
It's in these moments, in those moments, that we can readily assess our level of faith. I think it's fair for me to say that. Where do you and I fix our eyes? Toward the Lord or somewhere else? Use tough moments to get honest feedback from the Lord and from the righteous people in your life to say, how am I doing? Am I handling this well? Just use those tough moments to assess where you're at in your faith walk. It's important. Psalm 123, verses 1 and 2, about lifting our eyes toward the Lord. To you I lift up my eyes. To you, Lord. Oh, you who are enthroned in the heaven, in the heavens. Why? Listen to this. As the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master. This is natural, right? This is a natural thing for the servants to look to their master as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress. So our eyes look to the Lord. It should be that natural. No different. Our eyes should look to the Lord. When, until when? Until he's gracious to us. Until he's gracious to us. And he is gracious. Second thing, our refuge is in the Lord. So the first thing is our eyes are toward the Lord, and now our refuge is in the Lord. Once we set our eyes toward the Lord, which in itself can be challenging to do, the next step is to actually take refuge in him. Sometimes we look to the Lord, but we, we fail to go to the next step. We fail to take refuge in the Lord. So he says, fix your eyes on me, but take refuge in me. For how long? <laughs> right? Sometimes I think we fix our eyes toward the Lord, but we don't actually take refuge in him, or we do so only for a short period of time, and we run out of patience. God's not responding. Because he says at the very end of verse 10, while I pass by safety. The Lord does all this stuff in the, those three verses. The Lord does it. And then we eventually pass by safely. Our deliverance is from Him. We fix our eyes on Him, we take refuge in Him, and He's the one who delivers us, as it says in those three verses. Let me close with this. Exodus 14, 13, and 14. My wife and I really love this verse. Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today... You will never see them again forever. Verse 14. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. The Lord will fight for us. He's our advocate. So we pray. That's our action. We pray boldly. That's our attitude. We recognize that he's our advocate. We line our lives with righteous friends that come alongside us and pop us in the head once in a while and we say thank you, I hope. Right? And then the Lord delivers us while we keep silent. God's a great advocate. I'm going to pray from Psalm 142, and then um, Art's going to come back up and lead us in a closing song. Psalm 142, let me pray. And when Art's done, after, yeah, after I'm done praying Psalm 142 and Art's done singing, our, our uh, prayer team will be available, um, as always, um, over here to my left. Psalm 142, I cry aloud with my voice to the Lord. I make supplication with my voice to the Lord. I pour out my complaint to the Lord. I declare my trouble to the Lord. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, you knew my path. In the way where I walk, they have hidden a trap. Look to the right and see, for there is no one who regards me. There is no escape for me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, Lord. I said, you are my refuge. 
You are my portion in the land of the living. Give heed to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring my soul out of prison, so that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. And everybody said, Amen.